I have heard, well, Brother Johnny was one of them. Um, a man came over from the Lesser Antilles Islands or Dominica, I can't remember which one, and he told Brother Johnny, he said, I wouldn't want to live here. He said, there's way too much temptation. You know, so um, some of us know something of having less. Maybe when we were younger and first got married, you know, we didn't have as much as we have now. And um, I, I think fondly upon those times and how the Lord, you know, you didn't know, am I going to have enough to do this or that or, you know, uh, to pay the rent even though you're not living extravagantly to the groceries, you know, even though you're not eating, you know, prime rib, um, you know, maybe eating, I don't know if back then with ramen noodles, I guess they were a thing, but I know that's pretty cheap. But, um, yeah, there you go, mac and cheese. That's, that's been around a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we may not, you know, have been living extravagantly, but I, I think fondly, you know, upon those times when we struggled, you know. Um, and the Lord knows what we need, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we need to struggle again one day like that, like we did then. Maybe you're still struggling, you know, now. I, I don't know. Um, but... Um, He's, wherever we are, struggling here, struggling in the Ukraine, you know, that, like you're saying, that him, he is, he's the one that's holding us. Um, What can pluck us from that place? There's nothing that can remove us. He's holding us fast. I've, I've used the illustration so many times for you about how that when the kids were little and we're walking into the grocery store, walking behind all the cars from our car, you know, into the grocery store, and any moment any of those cars, you know, could have backed up. And so you're holding their hand. They think they're holding your hand, but you know you're holding their hand. And it's good to know that God's holding, you know, ours. Because um, we, could, we could not be strong enough to hold on, you know. We could not be paying attention and, and somehow uh, let loose of our grip, um, but he's not going to let go of us. <laughs> That's not possible. And so that kind of springboards us into where we are in Romans 12. We have a hope. It's steadfast. We have a hope. It's sure. Um, the title of the message this morning is Hope, Tribulation, and Prayer. We find those three things in um, our text this morning. Since we are uh, running behind a little bit, we'll just read that one verse of Scripture. Uh, If you want to stand, we'll read, if you can. I know everybody can't do that, but Romans 12, verse 12. Why why do we do that? Why do we stand when we read God's Word? We're not standing when we read every verse of Scripture, of course, but but we'd be up and down, wouldn't we? People would think we're another faith. But but, um, it's, it's in, oftentimes you'll hear, Brother Johnny will say it sometimes. Brother Barney will say it sometimes when they preach. I've heard, you know, R.C. Sproul and some others say it. Um, you know, we're standing in honor of God's word. Um, so, verse twelve: Rejoicing in hope. Isn't hope something to rejoice in? I mean, if you have hope, isn't it a wonderful thing? Um, you know, aren't you glad to have some hope? Um, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Well, if you're rejoicing in hope, you can be patient in tribulation, can't you? Can't you see the, the correlation between those two things? And then the correlation even in the next injunction that we find. So we're rejoicing in hope. We're patient in tribulation because we have a hope to rejoice in. And then we are continuing instant in prayer. Why? Because we have a hope. We have a hope. You know, hope something future, isn't it? You know, if, if, it, if it's something that's already been fulfilled, why do you have to hope in that? That's already done. But hope something for the future. And so we have a hope. We have a hope in my present circumstances that God's at work. I have a hope in my present circumstances that God's causing all the things to work together for my good. I have, I have a hope, you know, that the Lord's going to return, that the Lord's going to take me home. I have a hope that I'm going to somewhere better than here. There are, there are better things than the things of this life. Um, there's an everlasting life that, that is to come. There, there, there is better understanding that I do not have you know, now. There, there's so many better things. 
I, I don't want to remain here. This world is not my home. You know, this, the, I, I, have, I have a better home filled with better things, um, with, 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 with better conversation, better singing, <laughs> you know, even. There's so many better things that we could say, but uh, we have a hope that is steadfast. We have promises that God's made unto us in his word that, that are sure. We have, a, we have a hope in those promises, you know, so we, we have a hope to rejoice in. I mean, even what's already been said about those, those Ukrainian believers, they have a better hope than the government saying, okay, everybody that wants a gun, I'm going to give you one. They have better hope than that. Um, you know, hopefully there's, there's, there's those will we'll kind of geographically move to a different location, you know, that there's those in Israel who have a better hope, you know, than the Iron Dome, you know, that, that will shoot down those missiles as they try to come in. Um, you know, we, we have he who is, as we just sang, holding us fast. Let's pray. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Allow these things and allow war and trials that just like we were talking about. We often call out to you and the blessings or the comforts that we have and that we often do put our hope in and they're stripped away from us. Yes. Yes. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I think about what Donnie was saying there. I think about the the man in Proverbs who says, you know, feed me with the food that's convenient for me. Don't give me too little that I would steal and profane your name. You know, don't give me too much that I would forget you, that I would forget God. Um, It's a real danger, you know, there in having too much that we could forget God. Uh, that that man who tore down his barns to build bigger ones because he had many goods laid up for many years to come. And God says, thou fool this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things, you know, will those things be? Um, you know, you're not going to take it with you. Um, and there's not going to be any comfort that you had those things in hell. Um, so, Absolutely. Well, I know that 
Ukraine is on our our minds and, and our hearts and you know what if war were on our doorstep which really when I wrote that it was on their doorstep now the doors being kicked in you know and 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 they're forcibly you know entering um the household but um you know what about when we're facing really difficult decisions in our lives like Ukrainians are right now um I know Anita said that um Sorry, Aunt Anita. I give honor to whom honors due. She's she has that title to me. She's not just Anita. She's Aunt Anita, which we shortened it as kids. Said Aunt Anita, it just flowed off the tongue easier. But as you were saying, it's hard for us to imagine. Now we can try. We can try. We're we're called to be instant in prayer. We're called to pray for one another, and we don't know those Ukrainian Christians. Um, but we we know that God has a people everywhere, and we know that there are bound to be some of God's people there, and you know they're seeking to be a witness, they're seeking to be a testimony, they're seeking to help wherever they can, they're seeking while they're helping to be able to share the gospel. Um, you know that's that's their focus, that's that's their you know desire. Yes, they have needs. Yes, they need food and clothes and and water and shelter and those sorts of things. But, you know, many of them are willing to share those things in hope of an opportunity, you know, to be able to share the gospel, you know. Because if, you, if you're in circumstances like that and you know that God's the one supplying your needs, you know that it's not you that's going to go out today and search through the rubble and it's by, you know, your ability that you're going to find whatever you need for that day for yourself and your family. You know that, that the Lord's the one, you know, that does that. You think about Elijah by the brook, you know, how did he get fed? The ravens brought him food from the king's table, you know. Um, There's water that was trickling there when there was drought, you know, everywhere else. So we know the Lord's able to supply our every need. So when those Ukrainian Christians, you know, open up, the basement to the church building or maybe their own homes and people come in that don't know anything uh, about God Um, and they begin to wonder why are you helping us and let me tell you why Um, I'm glad you asked that question because now I can give you a reason you know of the hope that is within me um, so, you know, these, these days certainly for them are, are hard days. Um, things we take for granted, food, water, shelter, fuel, all those things, peace, you know, and whatever simulance of that, that we, we, um, we still have that to, we have that to a great degree compared to other places, but, uh, um, you know, they're, they are able as much as you. So here you are, you're not in those circumstances they are able as much as you to rejoice in hope. In fact, they may be better suited to rejoice in hope than you are right now because as Brother Donnie was praying, you know, they're not facing, you know, we're not facing the circumstances that they're facing and they're having some things stripped away. And as those layers of the onion are stripped away, you know, you're getting down to the core. There's nowhere else to turn you know, but to the Lord. So um, you think about the hope that we have. No wonder Paul writes about this hope and he says rejoicing in hope. So if we're going to describe this hope, it's a hope to rejoice in. It's a hope to glory in. It's it's a hope to joy, you know, in um, that we have. It's it's a hope that that is, is such within us that it overflows you know, really on others, you know, at times that they ask us of the reason of the hope that is within us. Um, and just like Donnie was saying, you know, we ought to be praying like they're praying, you know, all the time. And and I know that that him saying that he has the same struggle that I do. And you knowing that we have that struggle, you understand that you have that same struggle. You know, we find ourselves, I find myself often, you know, Lord, I want to be more fervent. And I don't want to just pray. You know, I know that I'm supposed to pray. I know that it's needful for me to pray. I know it's good for me to pray. I know it's profitable for me to pray, but I want to be fervent in my prayers. Well, 
What might have to happen, Brother John, for that to take place for me to be fervent in my praying? There may be some things happen in my life. And how many people would say, whoa, 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 Lord, I wasn't asking for that. No, that's exactly what you asked for. Um, and he's not going to give us anything. Do we have to be afraid, Sister Shelby, to ask that? Lord, help me to be fervent in my prayer. Is the Lord going to give us anything that we don't need? No. Is he going to be cruel to us or harsh to us? No, he's not going to be. Um, he's going to be exactly what we need. You know, at the, and he knows better than we do. We think sometimes we know, you know what we need. We, we think sometimes we know what our kids need. We think sometimes we know what our nation needs. You know, we think we know a lot of things, but we don't know things the way that God knows them. Um, and he will do things that we wouldn't do. Uh, he will bring about circumstances that we might say, <laughs> I would never choose that for myself. Uh, but God says, no, that's exactly what you need. Uh, so isn't, isn't that also reason to rejoice in hope? I mean, we have that hope that God, God will respond. God will react. God will work. God will do things in that way. And so here these Ukrainian Christians are in this position. This didn't catch God by surprise. God's not saying, uh-oh, now what am I going to do? That's not the kind of God we serve. God knew this was coming. There were, there were people last year that were, that were, that were sowing seed and they were, they were planting and they were, they were harvesting and, and they were you know, rejoicing in their lives the way that they were and their lives aren't that way anymore. And it caught them by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. God's people have suffered such things before and will again, but God's still the same. And we rejoice in the hope that we have you know, in Christ, our hope remains steadfast. <clears throat> Excuse me, our hope remains sure. I thought about the passage in Luke 12 because, again, you know, I told you hope's been on my mind, but Luke's been on my mind too. But Luke 12, verse 4, that says, I say unto you, my friends, the Lord says, Be not afraid of them that kill the body. You think there's some Ukrainian people that are afraid of others who might kill the body? Sure. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and, are not one of, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Teresa often brush her hair and she'll like, see... How many did I read the other day that we all lose like 50 to, I think it was like 50 or above maybe hairs a day. Not one of those. Not one of those hairs are lost that he does not know. Not one. Not one. He knows every one. Teresa knows some of them because she runs the vacuum cleaner throughout the house and she finds them because I've got three girls. There used to be four in the house. Of course, you didn't have the hair that you have now, Lydia, back then when Rebecca was at home. Uh, but you and Rebecca have very thick hair. And there's a lot of it. Teresa says she can go through one room. And she's got to flip the vacuum cleaner over and clean out, you know, all that she's picked up. So um, I can understand that better now that I know that, you know, the scientists have assured and affirmed me for me that we lose that many a day. Um, but anyway, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Uh, God, we, we, we sang that, that new hymn this morning, and, and it was from the perspective of God being the apple of our eye. Well, guess what? We're the apple of his eye. We are the apple of his eye. Um, what is the apple of your eye? That's an older, that's an older phrase. What does that mean? Hmm? Anybody? Teresa was the apple of my eye. She still is. I'm getting trouble, Shelby, if I don't <laughs> correct that statement real quick. Um, you know, so we understand from that perspective. We, though we don't know exactly maybe what a phrase means sometimes, you know, where it came from, its origins, like a dead ringer. Have you ever heard somebody talk about somebody else being a dead ringer for, somebody else, for, for a person? You know where that came from? They used, 
they used to they used to tie a string to your finger, Brother Steve, when they put you in the ground. Because back then, and there was a bell that went up above ground, you know, and if they heard the bell ringing, they would go dig that person up because they knew they were still, they just buried a person that was still alive, you know. And so that's why they were a dead ringer for the other person because it was the other person. <laughs> it was the person that they buried. Um, so, but, you know, we don't, sometimes we don't know where those things come from, but we understand what's being said. So we understand, you know, what's being said when someone's the apple of someone's eye. You know, what would I not do for someone that's the apple of my eye? What would I, I'll, I'll put it in these terms. I'll take myself out of the equation. Brother Wiseman, you know, things are a little better than they were. She's able to walk a little more. But before that happened, and she wasn't able to walk very few steps. And people are talking about, well, you know, she probably needs to be, you know, in a place where she could be cared for. She needs to go into a nursing home. He said, I'll walk on my hands and knees if I have to. I don't want that to happen. You know, I'll do whatever I have to do. You know, why? She's the apple of his eye, you know. Now, he doesn't have, what did we read this morning in Luke? With God, all things are what? Possible. Now, everything's not possible for Brother Wiseman. Everything's not possible for me or you. But all things are possible with God. And if you're the apple of his eye, you know, there's nothing that's going to touch you that he doesn't permit to touch you. There's nothing that's going to harm you. Um, you know, that, 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 that in, there's nothing going to come into your life that, that God does not permit. You think about Job, you know, in those kind of circumstances. Um, you know, Satan couldn't touch him until God gave him permission. Um, so, you know, the very hairs of your head. I mean, I, my, my hairline is receding some, you know. I used to not, when I was, Andrew, I didn't think about that. And I didn't think about losing a hair. Because when I got a haircut going, they had to take out the thinning shears to thin my hair, you know, because it was so thick. I would ask for them to do it so that I could comb my hair easier, you know. I didn't think about those hairs, but God knew everyone. God knew everyone that, you know, fell, not just from a haircut, but they just fell out of my head. You know, all the ones that end up in my baseball cap after baseball practice, you know, God knew, he knows all those things. So, you know, what a hope we have. I mean, if God, God notices those kind of details, what is he not paying attention to? What is he not seeing? What is he not noticing in our lives? What is he not, what is he not ruling and reigning over um, if he's noticing sparrows and hares, you know? So we have a hope to rejoice in. Um, you know, our, our hope is in a God who cannot lie. Our hope is in a God whose promises are going to be accomplished because there's no one that can stand against him. There's no one that can say to him, you know, what are you doing? You can't do that, and I'm going to stop you. You know, there's, that's not possible. Uh, Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for why? Why can we hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering? What does he go on to say? He says, for he is faithful that promised. How can I hold fast? God's faithful. How can I hold fast? He's not going to waver. How can I hold fast? He's not going to fail. You know, he, he, he's going to prevail. Uh, there's no one that can stand before him and say, you cannot do that and keep him from doing it. So difficult for certain are days. Um, you know, when... When loved ones are taken away from us in death, right? Those are difficult days. But yet Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and you know this passage of Scripture, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others. You know, some people don't have a hope. Some people don't have any hope. Or they may have hope in the bottom of some kind of bottle, you know, whether it's liquid in it or a pill or whatever, um, but they don't really have a hope. But don't sorrow as those who have no hope. 
Have you seen people? You know, I mean, I've talked to you before about the fact that we have emotions. I mean, we're, we're going to, you know, and we ought to, you know, weep with those who weep and, and, and rejoice with those who rejoice. I and mean, we've got emotions. But have you seen those people in those categories that have no hope and they're, they're, they're weeping uncontrollably? They, 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 they have nothing to hold on to. What they were holding on to is gone. It's gone. The, the only attachment they still have is a, is a grave marker up here on top of this hill over here. Uh, there's a cemetery, I don't know if you all know that, a cemetery right down this road. <clears throat> and they have to go there. And I've been up there. Um, the, the, we used to walk, and we'd, we'd walk down the road and walk around you know, the cemetery. And then we, the, get, the kids got old enough, we started riding bikes, and we'd ride around. And people would say, that's kind of a weird place to ride your bike around the cemetery. But, you know, it was, it was, it was, there's not a lot of traffic you know, on that road, and, it, it, well, yeah, the graveyard, I wasn't talking about the, <laughs> I don't know, the road to the graveyard, yeah, there's not a lot of traffic in the graveyard either, <laughs> unless somebody's being buried, um, then there's a lot of people there, but um, I, I've been through there, and I've seen people, they just, you could tell, I mean, they were, they were talking to themselves, perhaps, or talking to someone that was with them, and, and they just, they, that's the only hope they have is that, you know, to, it, in any connection to that person is that they are in this physical place, and I can go and sit, and they'll have a bench, you know, there. And they come there often, and they weep there often, and they have no other attachment other than that with them anymore, no other communication. It's a one-sided conversation, they have no other communication, you know, with them. No, no other contact with them. Um, we have a hope. We have a hope. They don't, there are people that don't have a hope, but we have a hope. We sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Isn't it sad to think about people that don't have any hope? Sister, you said something this week about how do people live? You know, that, that, that don't have this hope. How do people live? How do people function? How do people make it through the day? How do people deal with things like that and someone that dies so close to them? You know, and maybe, maybe that's the thing, as Brother Donnie was praying. Maybe that's the thing that's stripped away, that might be the thing that it is, is the thing that brings them, you know, to their knees. And they cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Um, maybe it provides the opportunity for us to tell them about the hope that we have. You know, David didn't approach Goliath in his own strength. David said to Goliath, you come at me with sword and spear and with a shield. We have a hope. David's hope wasn't in a sling and it wasn't in stones. David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. We come in that hope. Those Ukrainian Christians are are standing today in that hope. They're praying today in that hope. Um, This is a hope that we can rejoice in. It's a hope that has a solid foundation. Um, How many interviews have you seen, just like I have, you know, on, on the internet where people say that when, when they're asked, do you believe that there is an afterlife? And they'll say, yeah, I believe. You know, well, what do you think is going to happen to you? Well, I hope I go to a better place. That's not really a hope at all because they have no foundation. There's, there's nothing that stands behind that hope. There's no surety. We have a surety. Uh, God's made covenants and promises with us. And, and I mean, the, our surety is Christ. Um, and, and, and when we think about the hope that we have, if God's given us his only begotten son, if he's, if he's given him, what will he not give? Shall he not also freely give us all things, the scripture says. Um, you know, deep down, if they say they think, they hope they might go to a better place, then they know there must be a worse place. They must know that's a possibility too because they're outside of Christ. But we do have a reason to hope because we do have a solid foundation. We do have a reason to hope in something, to hope in God, in Christ. We have a solid foundation. Uh, we didn't get to sing your hymn, Sister Shelby. We can do that after. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can, we can go from here into eating with that hymn on our minds. 
So somebody who is that, is it Anna? You know which one I'm talking about? That Sister Shelby ask about in Christ alone? Who plays that? You play that. Okay. So ah, we can do it. So the hope that we have, steadfast, the hope that we have, sure, the hope that we have has a solid foundation. Therefore, we can say for me to live is what? Christ. And to die is gain. We have a hope. Beyond this life, we have a hope. We have this trio of injunctions before us And they're a reality in the life of every believer. That we rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. This is something that we we may not possess the patience that we will possess, but God's working on this in us because he's sending trials and he's sending troubles and he's sending tribulations and tribulations or tribulation worketh patience. Right, right. So we know that's... that's, uh, Patient tribulation is a reality. You've heard of the patience of who? Job. You've heard of the patience of Job. Um, so rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. This is how we face terrible things when they happen. There are terrible things that happen. How are we going to face terrible things that happen? We rejoice in the hope that we have in God. We're patient. We wait. We wait. We know. We know that God's going to do what is right. We know that God's going to do what is best. We know that God's going to work these things together for our good, and therefore we continue instant in prayer. Lord, here I am. Here the situation is. You, you know my heart here. You know what I, would, what I would want to happen, but at the same time I know that you know what is best. Can, can you hear Mary and what we read you know, earlier out of Luke 1? Lord, here I am. I'm your maidservant. Do with me as you please. I can say that because I have this hope in what you've said in your word that everything that you do is right, that everything that you do is just, that everything that you do is perfect, everything that you're working all these things together for my good, so I can rejoice you know, in this hope that I have in you. Um, what a comfort to be able to come to all of these circumstances and to come before God in prayer and to let our requests be made known and be at peace. Let your request be made known. And what does Paul go on to say? And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have a hope. I don't know that we'll get past the hope this morning. (laughs) I hope we never get past the hope in our lives, uh, beyond the hope. Um, and you think about that passage in Romans eight twenty eight, what Paul says, you know, let me read it verbatim. And we know, I mean, how could you rejoice in hope unless you knew that you had something to hope in, right? He says, we know, we are assured. God has given us this gift of faith. And, and, and we know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are, who, who are the called according to his purpose. So even in the most pressing of circumstances, we know, we know, and we have a hope. You know, when you think about pressing circumstances, think about Paul and what he says in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10, he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. We know what it's like to be pressed by our circumstances. We know what it's like to be pressed by trouble, to be pressed by tribulation, to be pressed by trial. He says, we were pressed out of measure, above strength. You, you get the picture? I mean, they're being pressed and their strength is gone. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. They thought, this is how it's all going to end. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. So even in those physical circumstances, it looked like to them this is the end. They're going to put us to death. 
but they cannot do that unless God permits. And if God permits, then he has a purpose. And if God has a purpose, therefore, I should glory in that purpose. I was reading something this week, and I can't remember who the older Christian was, but they were going to die that day, and they knew it. They were going to be martyred. And he turns to the young Christian, and he tells him, he said, God's going to scour us hard today. But in the end, we're going to be clean. (laughs) We're going to be clean. He says, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. You're in circumstances where it looks like the end. (laughs) You're going to rejoice in the hope that you have in God. Who delivered us from so great a death and death deliver in whom we trust that he yet will deliver. So we have, you think about hope, you think about it being future, we have an expectation. That's what a hope is. It's an expectation. We have an expectation of good from God. He's going to do us good. These circumstances look bleak. These circumstances seem to be dire. This doesn't seem like any good can come out of it, but that's because that's all that would be possible with me. But God's not limited by that. God can bring good out of this yet. He will bring good out of this. And it would be impossible for us to rejoice in hope otherwise. Well, I'm I'm not where I had planned on being. That's okay. That's okay. We'll we'll stop there for today. And, uh, you know, on one hand I could say, wow, you know, I I can take it easy, Brother John, the rest of the week. You know, I've got, I've got the second half of this verse that, you know, I've got everything. No. I'll, the Lord probably will change everything from this point forward. What I have to say next week. Not completely, but it won't, it won't look the same. Um, I've asked Teresa sometimes when I preach the same message somewhere else. I said, um, you know, ask her about it. And she says, it w- it's always different. She said, from the last time I heard it, you know, <laughs> You, 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 you spend time you know, seeking the Lord. You know, here, Lord, I feel like this is what you want me to preach, but you know, what should I say? You know, how should I bring this is a different group of people? You know, th- those pastors that I have come and speak, and Jess was the same way. He's like, you know your people. He said, what, you know, what do they need to hear? I said, brother, I'm confident the Lord's able to land you exactly where you need to be, so I'm not going to put that upon you. You come with whatever the Lord gives you. You know, um, and we uh, we had a good meeting. You know that night, um, there was much rejoicing. Uh, old friends, new friends, um, all seated around the Lord's table, not just back there, but in here, uh, rejoicing. You know, in those things, rejoicing in the hope, right, that we have. All right. Well. I'll, I'll leave it up to you, Sister Shelby, because you wanted to, you had requested that. I'm, 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 I'm fully willing for us to sing that hymn right now. You'd rather wait? Okay, she'd rather wait. She's hungry. <laughs> no, I know that's not what you're saying, Sister. You are hungry? Yeah. Okay, you are hungry. Well, I have good news for you. There's food back there. We we don't have to go on a, a, a mission, you know, to search for food um, very far. I mean, it's just right back there.
Right. Mm-hmm. Family, yeah. Friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many of us have been in that situation where, you know, what do we, what do we say? How do we approach? Um, how many of us have come out of those situations where we didn't say what we had intended on saying, but the Lord gave us, you know, something else, you know, while we were there, um, you know, I've I've had those conversations where I knew what I wanted to say and I forced those things into the conversation. Um, but how important is it for us? And we'll you know circle back to Romans twelve here about continuing instant prayer in in those circumstances where here, Lord, this is what's on my heart to say, but I want to say what you would have me to say, and I I'm asking that you open the door for the conversation to go, you know, wherever you would have it to go and for things to be said that you, you know, impress upon me that need to be said because it could be somebody that's, that's close to us. It could be somebody that we don't know very well, but we don't know their hearts. God does. You know, we may think we know, you know, we can go back to saying that again. We may think we know what we should say. You know, I mean, there's, we, we know we have a gospel to share, we know that, you know, but we may think we know some other things that need to be said in a set of circumstances, but, I mean, how important is it for us even there in the moment to ask the Lord to reign over that situation, to ask the Lord to rule in those circumstances, to ask the Lord to give what needs to be given and to restrain what maybe I thought I should say that doesn't need to be said. Um, because, I believe me, I can try to force, you know, things. I don't know if, if you have that kind of personality, but I can try to force things into a conversation that may not need to be, may not need to be said. Um, so, Lord, you know, keep, you know, my tongue and my mouth and let me speak what you would have me to speak, when you would have me to speak it, because that's the other thing, right? We, we can say, well, I need to go to this person and say this thing. I need to go to the person maybe and say that thing, maybe not. But I certainly don't need to go to say something to that person without praying about it first. I mean, otherwise, I'm thinking that it's my arguments and my words that are going to make a difference. We know that God's the one that works on the heart. It's not us. You know, I mean, Brother Wiseman, that was one of the things when he first started coming to meet with us. He was like, he'll go down to the lake and he would fish in his subdivision and people would be there fishing and he would try to share the gospel with them. And he said, it's like talking to a fence post. You know, he said, why, why aren't they rejoicing in the hope that I have? Why don't they receive these things? And I had to explain to him, brother, I said, the Lord has to plow. You know, I mean, you may have planted a seed and somebody else comes along and water it, but God's got to give the increase. We're not going to give the increase. God's going to give it. It's not us. Mm-hmm. Right. He's doing anyway, right? And see, that comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? The Lord sent him, you know, to do that. He may send us to do that. We may go to a person just like, you know, Brother Wiseman, you know, the Lord put it upon his heart to speak to that person, but here's a hard heart. He's not going to receive it. Um, yeah, it, may, it may stay hard. The Lord may use that to soften it, and we never know it. You know. So how important is it for us just to, whatever the Lord impresses upon us to do, do it. Do it. You know, don't be afraid of men not receiving you, not hearing what you have to say, um, but just do it. Speak. Um, ask the Lord for boldness to speak, whatever it is that he would have you speak, because I know some of you are very timid, you know, and all of us can be afraid of men's faces, you know, in the right situation. Um, you know, I'd just like to be Jonah, you know, vomited up on a beach, you know, run three days journey in one, and go speak to the people as far as you were concerned. They weren't going to, you know. You didn't, well, he didn't want them to hear. <laughs> he didn't like them. Um, but then when they repented, <laughs> what did he say? I knew you were going to do that. He tells God, <laughs> you're going to have mercy upon them. Um, so, 
yeah, we just, my, well, the thing is, you know, we need to seek the Lord, you know, about these things. Um, you know, I mean, as we're doing them, I mean, maybe, maybe the, you're going to go street, preach on a corner. Well, don't you want to pray the Lord would give you receptive hearts? You know, um, there's, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be unreceptive. <laughs> That's pretty much a given. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't we want people to hear? Um, and don't we want to speak in the right attitude? I mean, I hear some of these street preachers, they sound angry. They sound really angry. I want to speak the truth in love. I want them to know there's compassion, you know, there. Um, I mean, certainly there's a message of damnation. I mean, that's going to come across to people as offensive anyway, no matter how it's, you know. Um, but I want to have an entrance in, into their lives. You know, if, I, if you give somebody a gospel tract, I mean, what are most people going to do with it? Next trash can they see, there it goes, you know. Um, but to impress upon that, who's, who's going to cause them to be so burdened by this thing in their hand that they have to read it? You know, the Spirit's able to do that. We're not able to do that. So, you know. And I guess in saying all those things, you know, if, hopefully Linda can think about those things, understand those things, and understand, I mean, I know they're, yeah, so we go into the hospital setting that, that she went into and we have all these things that we want to say and nurses are coming in and saying, you know, I've got to do this, we've got to take him here and do that, it's got to be this x-ray done, you know, and I don't know if that was the circumstances, but there are all, all kind of things. i tell you how many times I've spoken to someone and the phone rings. You know, there's, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, there's the devil. <laughs> it's first, first thought comes to mind. But, you know, who the Lord may... Have let the devil do something to keep us from saying something that we would have otherwise said. I don't know. Uh, but just asking the Lord to overrule. Um, I mean, there's, there's nothing that can be done, you know, about that now. But even in those things, if let's say that we failed in some respect. The Lord uses that still. Um, and we're not that powerful that our conversation was the difference between a person going, <laughs> that's God... God's, God's at work, you know, there. Um, maybe a nurse came and said those things. Maybe a nurse was listening to the things Lindsay was saying and think, well, you probably ought to say this. And later on say, you know that person that came to see you? You know, I was thinking about this, that they were, they were talking about this, but I was thinking about this too. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Hmm? What do you think about those circumstances? Do you think different? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you think about Spurgeon. We were talking this morning about Spurgeon. And all the man seemed to be able to do for 10 minutes was say, you know, look unto me, all you ends of the earth, and be saved. Um, and the Lord used that, you know, to, to, to convert a, a young man that, that, that had a grandfather that was a pastor, um, spent a lot of time with him. You know, would read books out of his library, um, you know, good books. Um, you know, so, yeah, we don't know what even the Lord can do with one word. Yeah. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So take comfort, you know, in those conversations. Um, you know, we, 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 the Lord knows your heart for one thing. He knows why you're there. If, if you're, you're, you're there to be of help to that person, if they're unconverted, you're, you're there in hopes, you know, that, that the Lord would speak to them. The Lord knows that. The Lord knows that. So, you know, take, take comfort. Um, do what you can. Do what you can. I, I think about the woman, you know, I, I bring y'all back to that often. You know, she brought the alabaster box of spikenard, and the scripture says she did the Lord says, let her alone. She's done what she could. I want to get to the end of my life and be able to say that I did what I could. I did what I could. No regrets. I did what I could. Okay. You sure you don't want to sing that song? Okay. <laughs> Steve says his stomach's empty. Is that what you said? Yeah. I hear this, you had a lot of rain. Can y'all hear that drain pipe back there every once in a while? 
You don't hear it? Yeah, it's like a stomach kind of rumble, you know. All right. Well, let's stand and we'll go once again to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to, I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're about to sit down around the table and share a meal together. Lord, bless our fellowship. Um, bless the time that we spend together. Help us to be an encouragement to one another. You know, help us to lift one another up in prayer. You know, we, we hear things, you know, you, you ask each other, how are you doing? And you find out things like this with, with Anita's daughter. Uh, sorry, Anna Anita. Say it again. <laughs> You're good with Anita? Um, well, I, you know, it's like, like these customers that I go to their houses at, all throughout the week, every week, right? And I'm like, Mr. Smith, call me James. Okay, Mr. James. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't help it, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, just praying that the Lord would uh, bless our fellowship, help us to, you know, have those conversations that are, you know, uh, helpful to one another and, and beneficial to one another that glorify God. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any conversations that aren't on a verse of Scripture. That's not what I'm saying, you know. Um, but, um, you know, Lord, Lord bless our little family, you know, that, because we are the family of God, right? Bless our little family that we have here and, and help us to grow, um, in grace, help us to increase in, in our faith, help us to, to, um, you know, be of, of benefit, mutual encouragement and benefit to one another, um, as, as the Lord's called us, you know, to be, um, so, you know, somebody says something to you that just didn't really kind of hit you wrong, you know. Well, how are we supposed to handle those kind of situations? You ought to be thinking the best, not the worst. You know, how could they have meant that? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, so, you know, we, we uh, I know we're all different, different walks, different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, but, um, you know, we want to we serve the Lord, honor the Lord. That was our message before, right? Serving the Lord. We want to serve the Lord and honor him in all that we do, even in our eating and our drinking. So, all right.